The government has avoided major cybersecurity breaches and data theft in the last couple of years, but it's not immune to attacks. Recent domain name system or DNS attacks prove that. With analysis of the current situation and as part of our Cybersecurity Awareness Month coverage, we have the Chief Technology Officer of Farsight Security joining me in studio, Ben April. Mr. April, good to have you in. Thanks for having me, Tom. So let's begin with the big picture, and these things are always inexact and vague, but how would you assess the general cybersecurity posture of the federal government? From what I can tell, the federal government is doing a pretty good job establishing good policy, using uh, good best practices, and generally you know, doing what can be done to protect, to protect users and consumers of their, of their cyber services. It seems like they have got the religion of not simply trying to protect the perimeter of networks, especially since they're getting deeper and deeper into the whole cloud era, but the ideas of resilience in the face of an attack and also the idea of protecting the data even if the network is breached. That seems to be the more current thinking in how to do these things. In general, yes. Uh, the data is going to move around on its own. The data is, you know, crosses boundaries to do why, you know, the function it needs to perform. Uh, data trapped in a silo doesn't help anybody. And so what are the types of architectures do you think in general needed by large organizations, federal or commercial for that matter? How do they need to think about cybersecurity now in this ever-changing age, but it seems to be more at stake now than there was even five years ago. I think the most important thing is to start with the best practices. Uh, good passwords, password management, uh, you know, don't reuse passwords, things like that that are just, you know, basic security. But that's really, that's really where, where the easy entries come in. Because at the higher level, they have continuous diagnostics and mitigation program, the CDM program, and they have the trusted internet connection, which they're now... Homeland Security is now architecting to work in the cloud environment as almost a virtual type of machine. So there seems to be some technologies and architectures you need besides good password management. Yeah, yeah, and there's, there's a lot you can do with good architecture. But laying out the, the basic best practices is where, really where it has to start. If you don't, um, if you don't build on a solid foundation, you're, you're lost. Uh, good, good data architecture is key, you know, encrypting data at rest, uh, all the... You know, the basic tenets of, of cloud environments really require that any one component can disappear at any time, be that for hardware failure or be that for, you know, an attack. You need to be able to uh, you know, cut off a leg and, and continue to move. I guess one of the questions then becomes is why are we still using passwords when for the last 10 years all we've heard is, yeah, we got to get past the password era into some different way of authentication. we got to get past it. We don't have anywhere to go yet. Uh, you know, you see a bunch of you know mobile-based applications intending to get past password, uh, but you still need a password to get in the mobile device. You know, we haven't really gotten past. You know, biometrics is one answer, uh, but you know, it's you know, you can fake it, you can uh, you can cheat it, and uh, you can't change it. It's not a password you can change. Sure, and all of the mobile applications give you, and I've got three of them on my phone, For the depending on which network I'm trying to get into, they just basically give you a temporary password. Right. Yeah, short-term temporary passwords You know, make, make a great second factor, especially if the human can't know it. Um, Is there a way to sniff those out, though, if you're really sophisticated and nefarious? The beauty of the way those short-term one-time passwords work, uh, in theory, it doesn't work past um, when it was sniffed. You know, the idea is... The password's created, it gets used, and it doesn't work anymore. So it doesn't help 
that attacker again. Unless they're operating simultaneously with you. Unless they're operating simultaneously with you, which you've got bigger problems. Is there any evidence that's happened yet at this point? I haven't seen it personally, but I wouldn't, you know, certainly would not surprise me to see it at uh, DEF CON next year. <laughs> We're speaking with Ben April. He's Chief Technology Officer of Farsight Security. And let's get to the DNS attacks. This was an issue. It comes and goes for the federal government. Right. And of course, if you get the if you take over the DNS, the domain name system, then you've pretty much got the crown jewels to a given system or web, you know, web, web system. But the government has been pursuing secure DNS now for some time now. What's your sense of the status of all that? And are they still getting hacked into the DNS? So DHS recently sent out guidance suggesting that, every, that all the government-related domains uh, check their check their passwords, um, make sure they're using strong passwords. Well, they wanted to make sure everybody changed their password and that they're using second factor as well as auditing their configuration, which implies to me that there have been problems. Uh, I don't know specifically what, but you know, you don't you don't send out a directive on that scale that's going to cause that much work without having having a good basis behind it. But DNS hacks can be protected against with specific technologies. There are technologies that definitely help. DNSSEC, for example, uh, allows the signing of domain names so that you can confirm that the originator of that domain name is actually the one that set the record. This is great for preventing phishing attacks if you're if you're validating, for example. However, what DHS was talking about was cases where the registry account of the particular dom- domain name was compromised, meaning you know the portal you go in to say this you know configure name servers or set up that domain, uh, that's the same place you would configure the key for DNSSEC. So an attacker who had access at that level would be able to sign their own zone. All right, but the government seems to be aware of that and mm-hmm. is trying to get past that particular yep. situation. Yeah, absolutely. And in the larger question of cybersecurity, I want to get back to that idea of data and data encryption. Because there's a point in the computing cycle where data has to be decrypted to be able to be processed. And so I think they call it homomorphic computing. Homomorphic encryption is the idea that you can perform some operations on data as it's already encrypted without knowing what the data says. And is that possible now? Uh, There are libraries that perform that function. Uh, I think the jury is still out on whether it's production worthy. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of research going on in that area. And there are definitely some exciting ideas in terms of you know being able to run queries on a database that you don't actually have the key to decrypt. Yeah, because the processing in that case is taking place in silicon at that point. I, it actually doesn't matter what it takes place in. It's actually taking place on encrypted data. So that's the technology people should be on the lookout for is the next maybe major wave in the cyber field. It's definitely something to watch. And let's get back to the phishing question because that seems to afflict every organization. I just got an email from our owners saying, you have to take phishing training, click on here to take it. And I went to the IT guy, I said, how do I know that's not a phishing? Good man. And he said, okay, it's, it's okay, you can, you can click on it. But how and do ha- you know? But unless you can call up the IT guy to ask, and if they send a confirm email, a confirming email, that could be phishing also. So what's the, ant- what's the way out of the whole phishing conundrum? Because almost every panel people say, phishing is the biggest danger right now. I generally find that, you know, spidey sense resolves a lot of it. You know, the fact that you saw that and said, hey, wait a second, um, you know, definitely need to validate that. Um, I'm actually going to make it worse for a second. There's something called internationalized domain names. The idea that 
uh, when the internet was created, it was all based on ASCII characters, just plain text as we as we know it in the U.S. Uh, the rest of the world would like to be able to use their keyboards uh, to to connect to various domains. So internationalized domain names allow us to use scripts from other languages in the domain name. Problem is, if you're not careful, there are characters in other languages, Greek, Russian, you know, you can go down the whole list, that look very similar to ASCII characters in different configurations. Uh, so what we're seeing now is what we call an IDN homograph attack. Uh, and the idea is, you know, we've seen phishing using this, especially, you know, Bitcoin exchanges and things like that, where it looks to even me staring at the domain name in a browser, it looks like what I was expecting to go to. Um, but if you unpack it and you realize that, you know, that L is actually a, you know, a character from some other language. Um, wow. And, but the problem is that they can get a legitimate certificate for that domain because it's a legitimate domain that they registered. It just happens to look an awful lot like the legitimate domain that they're trying to they're trying to fish. So you could go to NYT New York Times, for example, and it's really Nyet, and, and somewhere in Russia, something like that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen air, really convincing airline fishes for one example that you just can't tell. So it, it requires a lot of diligence. The browsers are working hard to kind of raise your attention to the fact that hey, there are more than one character set in this particular domain name. Um, you know, the other thing is look at the whole domain name. Uh, you'll see attackers building up really long domain names so that the bit you see in the browser bar on your mobile device is, you know, bankofwhatever.com dot something, 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 you know, a bunch of junk that that is actually hiding where the real domain is. And you mentioned the mobile browser. Mobile computing is still a little bit of a wild west, isn't it, with respect to security? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you've got the app stores working pretty hard to lock down what's in there, um, but the... The, the, the reduced screen real estate really makes it a challenge to really kind of communicate the full scope of what you're actually looking at and what you're doing. And I've noticed, too, the ads that pop up on everything, to everyone's annoyance, mm -hmm. they're hard to get rid of now. Sometimes it says, I'm going to run here for 15 seconds, no matter how many times you hit the X. Yeah. Um, you know, That would seem to be a cyber risk. I think it's a cyber risk. Yeah, I mean, I was at a conference recently talking talking with folks who who actually study the threat of ads, and um, you know, they've seen cases where fifteen percent of the ads served by a given site contains something you know the end user doesn't want. You know, be that really heavy tracking or or you know, some have seen Bitcoin mining in the ads. All right. So in summary, the cat and mouse game is continuing and uh, nobody's winning, but nobody's seriously losing at this point. Yeah. Keep track of the, the good best practices and don't be the low hanging fruit. Ben April is chief technology officer of Farsight Security. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.